Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. I want to thank you all for being with us today. I thank everybody who plays a part in uh, having our services, continuing to be the Church of Jesus Christ in these really, really crazy times. And, um, you know... <clears throat> I have really been praying for the church. I've been praying for you. I've been seeking the Lord. And um, these aren't easy times. And if anybody thinks, you know, that they have simple solutions to everything that's going on, man, you probably have not studied the whole problem. Because there's a lot going on in this day and age. There's a lot going on in this season. I see God's hand in all of it. And I want to be on the right side of history. I want to be on the right side of what God is doing. I, I want to be a part of... Uh, what God is doing in the earth right now. And I thank you for being part of it as well. You know, um, when my family has something to discuss, we have what I call a family discussion. We have a family talk. And if I can be honest, uh, in the early days, I did most of the talking and the family did the listening or Tracy and I would do the talking to the kids. But now there's you know, we have three adults and one near adult. I have a high school senior at the beginning of this year. I have a, a son who's in college. And my wife and I, of course, are full grown. And so it's you can't have the same conversations now that we had 10 years ago. You can't talk to them like they're little kids. We can't talk to them uh, or, or preach at them anymore. We have to have a discussion. And so today, even though uh, I'm doing most of the talking, I'm going to have a discussion. I'm going to have a family talk here. And just like my family gathers around the dining room table or gathers around our living room couch, uh, I want to have a discussion with you. I'm going to be brief because worship went long last week. Uh, and uh, excuse me, worship went long this morning. My message went long last week. I'm going to be kind of brief today. But if you could, uh, if you could be active in the chat or... Social media, post a picture of us here, uh, or just you know, just be in contact here if if, if you if you could. Uh, I, I want to just have a heart to heart. Now, in the years that I've led Revival Life Church, uh, I have painted my role this way. I've said that you know I am the bus driver. The church here is the bus. I get the directions from dispatch. That's from Father God and from heaven, and I get direction from Him and. It's my job to let the bus know where we're going. Of course, I discuss it with the leaders of our church, but it's my job to let the people on the bus know where the bus is going. And then it's the people on the bus's responsibility to hear from God themselves or, if you want, get off. Uh, hopefully, you hear from God with us together and we travel into where God is leading us. And Every now and then I like to stop and have these discussions about what's happening because we're a spirit-filled church. Not only a spirit-filled church, we're a spirit-led church. And just because everybody is doing something does not mean that you and I are going to be doing it because we're not following the waves of this current generation. We're following the waves of the Spirit. We're following what the Holy Spirit is doing on the earth. And sometimes we hear things before the rest of the world hears it. And we start doing things before the rest of the world does it and we're ahead of the curve because we know this is where God is leading us. We're not looking for confirmation in the news. We're not looking for confirmation in the markets. We're looking for confirmation in heaven. We want to hear what the Holy Ghost of God is doing, and we want to be part of that. And um, 
this is one of those times. We're in our message series, Love God, Love Others, Prove It. And uh, uh, we, in this season, in this generation, there is opportunity to prove who our God is. Stick with me for a minute. This was a pretty big deal to Jesus, proving who your God is. Jesus never preached the gospel of just believe. He preached the gospel of act like you're a child of God. Act like you're in this thing with other people. Act like you've been redeemed. Act like you know who your Savior is. We, we, we need to demonstrate our faith to our family, to our region, to the world. We, we need to act like it. And what I have discovered quite often that this requires us to not be fearful. This requires us to hear God and follow Him. So in our family talk here, I've, I've named it today, Courage Against the Crowd. Courage Against the Crowd. We need to have courage to follow what God is telling us in this season. We need to have courage to do what God is calling us to do. I'm just going to pause here, and I'll go ahead, and I'll, I'll cut it in the thing. What's happening, baby? I can't get the mouse to Okay, put it back where it was, and I'm going to introduce it again. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to cut it together, but I will. You ready? Mm-hmm. And, and so I want to... Let me start again. And so I want to title my message today, Courage Against the Crowd. It's easy to go with what everybody is doing, It takes a little more courage to follow God. What's happening, honey? Okay, I'm just preaching and you're waving papers around. I just. Let's do that one more time if you don't mind. You ready? Okay. And so, as part of our family talk today, I have named our talk Courage Against the Crowd. And fear wants to dictate the game today. Fear wants to dictate what we're doing, how we react. We we cannot react out of fear. We cannot allow the crowd and the crowd mentality to make decisions for us. Friend, we we need to follow Holy Spirit. And I am so convinced in this season, God is challenging the church to be a church of the Spirit. And follow me, if you will, what that means for us as we're hearing God at Revival Life Church. Jesus told a story in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 37. And I've been telling this story a lot because I believe Holy Spirit is speaking it. He says, what they're asked him, what is the greatest commandment? Trying to trap him, if you remember. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God, verse 37 of 
Matthew chapter 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, in all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the hard part. I have seen how easy it is for us once we, uh, once we see God's love, once we experience His forgiveness, once we discover the depth of His grace. It's, I find it really easy to love God, don't you? I mean, it's super, super easy to love Him when we see how much He's loved us. Loving our neighbor as ourself is a little bit challenging for people like me. I don't know, maybe you're in the boat with me. I'm just keeping it real, as we say. That could be a little bit more challenging. How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? And Jesus, um, Jesus was preaching to a crowd that majored in virtue signaling, that majored in dog whistles of, of, of self-righteousness, in, in a crowd that it was more important to look righteous than to actually behave righteous. This was the crowd Jesus was preaching to, and they had this pretty well worked out over a long time. And he's like, look, the whole crowd is telling you what it looks like to be holy. And I'm telling you, it takes courage to go against the crowd. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, we talked about this again last week. They weren't allowed to interact with Samaritans according to their religious law. Now, how do we know that that was religious law, not God's law? Well, we know that because Jesus said it wasn't. Jesus is the one who told them, well, who is, who's fulfilling this law? And he used a story starring someone who was a Samaritan. Now, you remember, I showed the graphic last week. There was the temple leader and the temple assistant, and they both passed by the beaten man on the side of the road and the person that everybody agrees is not your neighbor is the one who stopped. The Samaritan. How could he be your neighbor? He's a Samaritan. He's not a full Jew like we are. He's not righteous like we are. And Jesus said, hey, let me help you out here. You think these guys are the righteous ones, but here's what I want you to take away from this. Don't be these guys. Don't be these guys. Don't be the, 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 the popular religious speaker. Don't, don't be the big name church. Don't be, yeah, he's like, don't be those guys. How do you really be a neighbor according to God's law? He says, you want to be this guy. Now, you got to get how offensive this must have been to the self-righteous Jews of the day who said, I need to be a Samaritan? That's Jesus being courageous against the crowd. Jesus is the one who told us, love God, love others, prove it. Prove it. Prove it. Prove that you don't just want to look self-righteous. Don't, 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 don't act like you just want to look like a Christian. Prove it. And we prove it by living a life that doesn't just serve ourselves. Now, if you've read the Bible at all, uh, you have seen many times where God in the Old Testament many times would rebuke Israel, follow me here, for worshiping Baal, the false god Baal. Now, you know there was three major gods that we see in the Old Testament, one of which was Baal. And have you ever sought 
kind of sat around and thought about what was, what was so enticing about Baal that people would continue to turn against our living God and worship Him. What, what was the deal? Well, here's what's super, super important. And especially if you read the minor prophets, they would have these prophetic words for Israel. And they'd say, you know, hey, you say you're followers of the living God, but you still have your idols. You still have the Baal worship. You've not gotten rid of it. Or the children of Israel would turn away from God and worship Baal. A, a, a righteous king would come in and restore true worship. And then a evil king would come in and he would worship Baal. Well, he'd also say in, in the minor prophets, you know, hey, you're not worshiping me alone. You're, 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 you're also worshiping your political alliances and your military power. If you remember Elisha on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and had this huge showdown with them on whose God is the real God. Now, Baal was, if you didn't know, Baal was the, the God of lightning, the God of rain, the God of wind, the God of fertility. What, what does that have to do with us today? Well, if you're a farmer like most people were then, if you were raising animals that graze in green grass, these things were important. You needed rain on the grass for it to prosper. You needed your animals to be fertile for you to have livestock. You needed your family to be fertile so you'd have enough kids to work in the fields. And so this God of Baal became a God that they could see and worship in an attempt to control the times around them. They couldn't just surrender to God. They had to have control. Our God, the living God, the God of Israel, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our Lord Jesus, He demands that we surrender control to Him. And friend, if we can be honest, that's a, that's a hard struggle sometimes. It's hard to just let go and give control to God. And so we secretly trust in what we can control. We secretly have a plan B. We secretly use power or privilege or force to maintain our status. You see, when you worship Baal, that is the worship of things that will determine your prosperity. And friend, if there is a false god in our country, it's the god of prosperity. Being prosperous in the sight of man is the false religion of America. Having more money, having more land, having more power, being able to create more is the false god in our day and age. This is a family talk right now. And it's a family talk here in the church, not because the world has sinned, but this is what's happening in the church today. Too much of the church is worshiping the same thing the world is worshiping, prosperity. Now, I, I believe in prosperity, and I have watched in this season how God has sustained and prospered people who have stayed faithful to God. I have gotten so many testimonies, and we've gotten here at the church so many financial miracle testimonies in this season of God sustaining people in the midst of the trial. 
I'm in the, currently right now, my life group and I are praying for a financial miracle in my life, in my family's life. Like, I believe in that, but I don't worship that. That doesn't determine my joy, and it doesn't determine who I'm going to worship. But time and again, it's hard. It's hard to go against the crowd and follow the God who does not guarantee what's happening around us. Follow me here. It's super easy for us to make a God of something that can help us be successful. It's super easy for us. And Jesus said, this is not how we're supposed to look at life. How we're supposed to look at life is, how can I be most helpful? How do I get this grace of God that is upon my life as a believer? How can I learn about that grace on my life and how can I give it to other people? How do I get the anointing on my life and let it touch other people? How do I get the wisdom that's on my life and let it touch other people? How do I get this healing power that's on my life and touch other people? How do I get salvation, the joy of the Lord that's upon my life and spread it to other people? This is what our lives are supposed to be dedicated to. And at Revival Life Church, we've given ourselves to this. We want to help people. But part of this surrendering our own rights and being helpful is I can't do everything for me. Great calling means great responsibility. Write that down. Great calling means great responsibility. Now, I totally want to see you. I want to get together. I, 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 I want to gather as a church. I want to worship as a church. I want to see people experience the presence and power of God. I want to see people give their lives to Christ here physically. I, 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 I want to hug and kiss on your neck and, and just, just a, a brotherly embrace. And I just I want to see all my spiritual sons and daughters and the spiritual parents in this church. I, I, I want to get together with so many of you. And last week we had this great, school supply drive, and I got to see people who came through and have a cup of coffee and eat some donuts, and all of you who were able to come through, man, that was it was just so great to see you. And I want to get together. At the same point, I don't want to deny truth. And uh, you could just leave this for a little bit. I, I, as, 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 as I want to get together desperately, I have to think, how can I serve? How can I be a servant? How can I help other people? We are not opening for Sunday morning service. Some, some churches are. Uh, we are not. And, and let me tell you why. <clears throat> and I'm going to be very honest because that's what we do in family conversations. We've had, um, I've had friends say, well, you know, we don't really know who to trust in this debate about physically gathering and so we should really just stay out of the mask debate. And I've said, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, are there any doctors or medical professionals that have said masks don't help? Are, are, are there any hospitals or disease control organizations that are saying, hey, you know, it's probably been long enough, we can go ahead and gather physically? Because I don't know any. What I have heard are people whose prosperity depends on acting like coronavirus isn't here 
telling us to gather physically. I've not had a single person call me and tell me that in prayer, Holy Spirit told them to not fear, to not, excuse me, be concerned about the coronavirus. Not heard a single person attribute that to God. What I have heard them attribute it to are businesses who want to make money, politicians who want to get reelected, churches who need financial support. Friend, God supports me through your giving, period. And I don't have a plan B. I trust God that he's going to support you and that you're going to be faithful to him in your tithes and offerings. This is God's plan for financing the ministry, the tithes and offerings of his people, period. I'm not going to make any decisions based on money. I'm not making any, zero, making a, regarding gathering. It's not a factor at all. Why? Because I worship the God of truth. And the God of truth doesn't need any exterior force to make decisions. Let God be true and every man be a liar. I could not, on my conscience, have a big gathering. Come on, let's just be honest for a second, can we? If you're with me this long, you know, I'm just going to keep it real. I know some churches are saying, you know, wear a mask if you're comfortable. If you're not comfortable, no, we wear a mask for other people. And so some people, if you're not comfortable keeping from spreading the virus, come on and spread it. Like, this isn't Christianity, friends. This is rebellion. And it's a lack of leadership. We've had a lack of leadership in our state, in our nation regarding the coronavirus. And now, unfortunately, we're experiencing a lack of leadership in the church. Friends, you're not in that kind of church. We're not worshiping conspiracy theories. We're not worshiping fear. In the old covenant, if you were healed, you went to the priest who would verify it. Jesus said, hey, go show yourself to the priest and they'll verify that you're healed. If coronavirus is not a threat, then the scientists will verify it. This is not a complicated thing. Our government that's trying to rush us back to gathering still hasn't gotten us out of phase one. There's four phases. And since like March, we've been in phase one. By their own admission, we haven't gotten anywhere. And so I know some people are just tired and they're like, well, no, no, I don't want to see people dying because we got tired. I don't want to see you get sick because you're just tired. Now, we want to gather, and there are some safe ways of gathering. It is not impossible, but it is extremely difficult to get infected with the coronavirus when everybody is wearing a mask. Don't do that yet. Just talking to my overhead person who's trying to help me out here. It's almost impossible to spread it to one another if everybody's wearing a mask. So at Revive a Life Church, wearing a mask is not an option. It's not a freedom that we have to get other people sick. That's not being a Christian. Well, we should have our individual rights. Yeah, you can. And if you are super, super concerned about your individual rights, I would implore you to get saved. I would implore you to give your rights to Jesus 
and start living according to the dictates of Scripture in how you can serve other people. No one says, man, I can serve people better without a mask. It's just, it is a false God. It is mammon and it's Baal alive in America. I don't worship the God of Baal. I worship Jesus Christ, who is a healer, but warns us to not need one. <clears throat> we want to get together with people, and here's what, we're, here's what we're doing. There are some life groups who are choosing to have get-togethers. I know one life group is having uh, some sort of trunk gathering where the cars are kind of parked a little bit and they're all going to sit on their trunks and get together six feet apart. Some of you are like, hey, I don't think there's anything wrong with gathering in a living room. Man, praise God. I don't have any problem with that. Invite people over. Lead a life group and watch the service. The, the, the government still says, hey, just don't, don't gather in groups of 10 or more. And, and, and that's, that's what we can do. And so have people over your house and have service and have communion like we're about to have and go ahead, do what you're comfortable with. But to tell other people to take risks because you're comfortable with them taking risks, that's not Christianity. Telling other people that you can get them infected because you don't think it's a big deal and so you're not going to wear a mask is not Christianity. That's rebellion. It's Baal. Jesus says, lay down your life for someone else. And that includes your right to get people sick. Lay down that right. So we are opening up our Thursday night service recording. Uh, there's a sign up for that. Only a handful of people can come. Uh, we're opening up Friday night burning room. Come to that. We require masks, both of these things. And uh, soon, uh, we're talking about this. We're not ready to roll out the date yet. We're going to begin having... We're going to transition to live Sunday morning services, again, with a handful of people in each service. We can gather, masks on, socially distant, worshiping God, sitting under the preached word. I hope you're not offended with me. I, one day, will cross over into eternity, and I will have to answer to Jesus how I shepherded my flock. I, I, I take that seriously. That is a very sober reality for me. And I plan on hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. I have no intention of telling Jesus, well, you know, I didn't really know, so I just left it up to the sheep to take care of themselves. No, friend, you don't have that kind of pastor. You don't have the kind of pastor who says, I'll take health advice from a doctor equal to a politician or a business owner. No, friend, you don't, you don't have that kind of pastor. You have a pastor who studies the Word and prays and uses his brain and tries to make good decisions. I hope you join me on that. And I, hope, I, hope, I, I, I hope that you hear me um, from my heart and what I'm trying to say. I care about you. I love you. I want you to be healthy. I'm not fearful at all. I'm not fearful at all. I'm also not stupid. I didn't check my brain at the door when I got saved. <clears throat> Let me say this in closing before we share the Lord's table. <clears throat> I've seen a great deal of fear regarding the coronavirus, and it manifests as conspiracy theories. 
Conspiracy theories are just your desire to get a, con- a grip of control on the uncontrollable. Just surrender. Say, I don't know, but I trust God. I don't know, but I trust God. Let's gather around the table of the Lord. And um, I hope you still love me because you have to to get to heaven. If I've offended you, please forgive me. Not my intention. But I do intention, I do intend to be intentionally safe. You ready? In the greatest act of serving his brother, serving his fellow man, Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, knew that he was still going to lay down his life for his brother. He didn't protect his rights. He didn't say, as the Son of God, I have a right to not go to the cross. He surrendered it to the Father and had his body broken for us. And today, I want us together, gathered around the table of the Lord, to receive this broken body of the Lord. On the same night, he took the cup. And he said, this is the covenant, the new covenant in my blood. And Jesus, we remember today the sacrifice you made for us. And you asked us to love God and love others. And so today we say, thank you, Lord. We receive your sacrifice. Receive the spilled blood of the Lamb. Friend, wow, hallelujah. Friend, I pray for you today. I pray that you will be healthy that the God of all provision would be your source during this crisis, that your family would be safe and healthy, that you would stay connected to people, that your employment and your prosperity would increase in this season, and that you would trust your God to provide for you. We love you. If you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We can't wait to get together again. God bless you. Okay, don't turn it off. I'm going to record a little story and see if I can't plug it in in the middle. Okay. I don't know how I'm going to do it because I remembered as I was closing the story I wanted to tell. Okay. <clears throat> Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Are we not using the mass graphic? Yeah, you, no, we're not going to use it, but can you put the series graphic up? All right, do this. Let me just reach this and... <clears throat> I remember a number of years ago, uh, there was a, um, a couple that I was doing a wedding for. And uh, their family felt that they were too young to get married and just wanted them to live together and just see if things work out and work out their budget. And uh, they were giving them a lot of pressure And, uh, you know, um, they were saved and they felt like the Lord had led them to get married and um, they had gone through premarital counseling and uh, a family member decided to call me and uh, he was telling me that I need to tell this couple uh, that that they're too young to get married and they shouldn't get married and and, uh, he's like, ah, they're just getting married because 
you know, they want to have sex and they, they're, they're worried that God is going to send them to hell. That's the only reason they're getting married. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's it. I believe that they both hear God and they love each other and they've been dating for a long time and they felt like they were supposed to get married. And, uh, you know, as a, as their pastor, that's kind of my job. You know, it's not my job to hear God for them or to run anybody's life. It's my job to marry them. That's what I do. And he said, you know, but, you know, one of the, one of them, their mom doesn't want them to get married. I was like, well, you know, they're adults again. And, uh, you know, that's really up to them. And he says, well, the Bible says that you have to honor your father and mother. And I said, oh, 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 okay. Um, you know where it says that? No. I said, I tell you what, I study the Bible for a living. I don't think you really want to go there with me, right? I, 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 think, I think you should stay in your lane and let, 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 you know, you can argue what you want, but I don't think you're going to win a Bible argument with me. See, in this conversation that we were having, I was the Bible expert. And the guy who didn't even go to church, hadn't given his life to Christ, let alone read the Bible, let alone follow the Holy Spirit, was not the expert in the Scriptures. And if you're going to ask somebody what the Scriptures mean, you should probably ask the expert, not someone who had a hidden agenda. Right? And today, we have the same thing going on. There are important things happening and instead of asking the experts, too many people are following others who have hidden agendas. And in some of the times, the agendas aren't even hidden. So I just want to talk about that a little bit, just uh, as we continue this conversation. All right. Now you can stop them. Oh, I hope that audio recorded. Well, for my brief message, 